And welcome back to the Change Officer Special Series here at the STEP Conference in the episode number two with me, Ramez, the CEO of Flat Six Labs. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here, man. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't record our uh, pre-discussion, <laughs> pre <laughs> but we're going to try to repeat some of these pieces in this uh, short episode it's an incredible pleasure to have someone like you on the show and especially because you are coming from the space which is really important for the whole ecosystem and that gives a lot of answers to some of the challenging questions that many startups are going through um, at, at, at these times of uh, rapid explosion in this region. Uh, Flat Six Labs was founded 10 years, you said almost 11 years Almost, yeah, 10 and a half now. years ago. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary last October, so... And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And uh, now October. you are at STEP conference here in Internet City. Uh, and this is their, I think, 10th anniversary, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's their 10th event. 10th event, yeah. okay, 10th event, not 10th anniversary. But even looking at the STEP conference and, and conferences of this kind, and you've been around for 10 and more years, like, what's the change that you see? So much. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it looks totally different today than it was like 10 years ago. Um, and the funny thing, because like we, we actually were not only in one market. So even if you look like, you know, closer at each one of the markets we're operating, it was a totally different scene 10 years ago. So even looking at the entire region, how things looking like today, um, it is crazy. It is crazy. Um, um, in terms of growth, in terms of the maturity we are seeing, the amount of venture capital funding, uh, that's available today for startups that wasn't at all there and I think like when you read the reports from Magnet and other sources you see the growth in terms of the funding available how it's, it has exponentially actually grew um, grown over the last uh, 10 years um, year over year yeah we're going to let all of the listeners to if they're already not familiar with Flat6 Labs uh, which is difficult or, or, or it's rare if you haven't been around these kind of <laughs> events that's fine but uh, we don't hold any grudges they can, they can do their kind of background check post the episode background check on Flat6 Labs so we don't spend time uh, kind of, of explaining what you guys do yeah. but what I would like to talk is from your standpoint and what you guys are doing from 10 years ago till now, how did your business model evolve and change to continue delivering value uh, even now in 2022? Sure. I think like let's let's just look at, have a snapshot of where we are today and like, then let's go yeah. 10 years back. So today we are, we position ourselves as, we are the most active investor actually in the MENA region. We invest in around 70 startups every year in wow. um, different locations in MENA. Um, we have been the most active investors in Nina for the last five years or so. Uh, and it's not, we are not publishing these numbers, actually they are published by others. Um, but this is, the, this is very true. And where, where, um, how we have come to this point is actually how the entire thing started 10 years ago. Um, two gentlemen, Ahmed Alfie and Hennison Bati, the founders of Flat6 Labs, they come from a VC background. They have a, uh, their VC fund called Sawari Ventures in Egypt, investing in Egypt and North Africa. They, they thought that there are so many good opportunities in the very early stage that they might not traditionally look at or even, you know, entertain um, to be investing in Series A or Series B. So they thought that this has to be a different model. We can't just like write small checks of ten, fifty thousand dollars and just, you know, act as like a VC where we just get the updates of the startups and see how we can support them later on. There has to be some kind of structure. And I think the accelerator model was really developing back then and uh, especially in other 
more developed ecosystems and in Silicon Valley and Europe. And they looked at this model and they thought, okay, it works, but it, it needs to have a community around it. We still don't have a community. So we need to build a community. We need to have an educational partner. We need to provide a lot of elements that might not exist in the ecosystem today. So they started by building all these blocks. And this is when I joined the team. That was May 2011. So many years ago. Wow. Yeah. And we examined all the models out there and we thought, okay, how, how this would work for the Egyptian market and for the MENA market because we really had this kind of regional ambition from very early on. So we developed our own curriculum. We partnered with different educational and, uh, you know, support partners as uh, mentors, as corporates, governments uh, to build the accelerator model. And it just started a very small and model. And this is why it's called Flat Six Labs, by the way, because we are based out of flat number six in a very nice old oh, building in Cairo. Right. So the entire idea started from there, you know. <laughs> How can you build a very small community around this small apartment where everybody would come, check out the startups, meet with them, interact with them, and add value. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is our model. We bring people together who can add value to entrepreneurs and uh, either through advice or capital or uh, connections, all of that. Um, and we created a way, like, you know, it, sometimes it's very prohibitive for a young entrepreneur especially in Egypt 10 years ago, um, coming out of the revolution, for example, to go to a VC and pitch to them, and they might not have everything that they need to present to that VC. So there was a lot of preparation and groundwork that needed to be done. And this is exactly what Flat6 Labs um, offered, and we're still offering that today with a slightly different model. So the model definitely evolved over the years. We just started with this one small lab um, in Cairo, and then uh, we started going into more, more and more into a venture capital model where we set up VC funds and local VC funds with local LPs who are investing in these funds. And from these funds, we invest in startup companies. So we go, we go to institutional investors and, institu and financial institutions in general uh, who would invest in our funds and we put together the fund. And from this fund, we invest in startups that go through our seed programs mm. um, and also offer follow-on funding. Uh, today, we, we started with investing $10,000 $10, uh, 10 or 11 years ago. Today, we invest up to uh, $200,000 uh, in seed stage mm -hmm. uh, when the startups join the program and we offer follow-on funding up to $500,000 uh, later on. So you're primarily focused on idea, early stage startups? Yeah, we try not to put a label on it. It's mm -hmm. basically when you feel that there is a need for you to join a seed program or an accelerator where you would come and get access to the resources and um, the connections will help you with setting up the company, for example. Sure. Sometimes it's very a daunting process, especially in our region. So we take care of, uh, of all of this. We put you in touch with all the right uh, people that you need to, to, to know from investors, lawyers, yeah. governments, yeah. corporates. Um, we hold a lot of events around the program. And again, we act as an investor. We act as an institutional co-founder with these companies. So we're on, our relationship with them doesn't end with the demo day, which is usually the, the graduation or the you know the the final stage of the program, we actually keep supporting them after that because we have skin in the game yeah. and we are their shareholders and investors. So it's in our interest to keep supporting them for the longest period of time till we exit the company. Absolutely. So you've been around. You've you've, you've witnessed the growth uh, of of hundreds, if not thousands, of startups. So um, what is in common for most of the startups that don't make it? Or is there uh, something that you see which is a red flag for you? It's a very good question. Um, I'm not sure if there's a pattern, but uh, um, there are red flags that we do recognize. Um, so, for example, when we, we really don't like to see solo founders who are just trying to do everything by themselves. Because, like, 
it could happen and it happened and we invested in a few of them and they made it that's fine so there is an exception but it's an exception you know uh, you still need people uh, like entrepreneurship is a very lonely you know um, exhausting journey um, so you need people around you who believe in the same thing who can support you who can add value because if you're good with like you know on the business side or the commercial side you still might be lacking on the technology side or the operational side um, yeah. so just having more people building the company definitely adds value and we can count for it as a, as a success factor um, not knowing your market is a huge red flag so if I can do a little bit of research and find out some information that you might not have had access to or you are aware of that's a big flag if I know your competitors Better you don't know you them do, yeah that's a red flag. So you need to spend your time and effort, especially at the very early stage, because like you have nothing else to prove, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to work very hard on understanding the market, the competition, where the opportunities are, how to design your business model, all of that. So if I have to do this job for you, that means that you might be a little bit too early or you might not be the right person or founder to do this kind of business. And what are some of the skill sets that you noticed are making the biggest change in a startup when you teach them? Uh, so they come in, they simply don't know how to do it. You, you, you teach them how to do it and you see them like just explode. So, yeah. Um, so we have learned something very quickly. You can teach so many things in life. So many. Mm-hmm. But you really can teach passion. Like, mm. you know, the, the, if, if someone lacks the passion to, to drive their company and drive their own success, they will never go that far. Um, and we always like try to, to say that, you know, building a startup with us is like a driving a car or like trying to teach you how to drive we can help you like you know purchase the car we can help you build the car but we'll never ever be in the driver's seat you always have to be in the driver's seat and you have to learn driving yourself so there's always a limit for how much we can be like in the passenger seat next to you guiding you through like to navigate and all of that but like we'll never be able to, to drive it for you you have to do it yourself and I think this is really key um, so we can teach so many things and we actually have learned that we can teach you how to fundraise, we can teach you how to present to investors, we can teach you how to build a team, how to scale, how to do marketing, all of that. Um, so if, if someone lacks all these experiences, it's fine. It's not really that much of like, hindering um, for you to be able to, to start and, and grow your company because you can learn it. But if they lack But if you don't have passion, if you don't have the drive, it's, it's almost impossible. You need to fall in love with your idea and your yeah. business. Yeah. yeah, and fall in love is a big word, I guess. Um, but like you really have to believe it and actually because like this could backfire from the other side sometimes yeah, yeah. founders get super obsessed with their concepts and products for for example and they really don't focus on the bigger picture so love but it sh- but like with like you know but I'm sure you met I'm sure you met quite a few extremely passionate founders that just blow you away with the amount of passion they have just to realize that later on they're like you can't teach them the other <laughs> stuff. Like they are passionate, but like they can't teach, learn the other stuff. True, true. Yeah, yeah. So passion, yeah, passion is a very important thing, but it's not the most important. It can blind, it's not it can the blind only you important as well, yeah. thing. It can blind you for sure. Um, uh, and it can like detach you from reality, yeah. which is really important in, in our market. And it's getting very competitive. You know, starting a company here 10 years ago, okay, it was very, very difficult because of the lack of funding and the resources and all of this. But today it's getting much more competitive. What you are doing, most probably there are like 10 other founders For at the sure. same exact second doing the same thing. Um, so you really need to stand out. And to stand out, you need to have all the right ingredients. You need to plan ahead. You need to have your own very strong team, a proper strategy, know how to talk to investors, how to engage them with them and when. 
sometimes it gets very late for many founders to start talking to investors and raising capital, which is a big issue. So your job is to look for the right startups to invest in, right? And to, to, to recognize them and to make sure that you're putting all the right bets because of the help. Which is not a very easy job. So actually we get around like, I would say around 15,000 applications every year for startups from within the region, only from the region who would like to join our programs and get funded. And we only invest in like 70. Which is extreme, just to go it's, through them. Like. It's, yeah, it's even much more difficult to receive an investment from us than to get into Harvard, I guess, in terms <laughs> of ratios. Um, so it's, it's very competitive. And what the numbers we're seeing today, they are nothing like what we saw 10 years ago. So they definitely multiply. Which is kind of giving you an opportunity to pick a better one, but it's also making it more difficult to make a choice. Now, if you would have to, or talking about the change and, and what we're trying to answer with the change officer, like what's that next change that is coming? You know, maybe, you know, very few people who are aware of, of this whole crypto uh, explosion and now NFTs, etc., who made their early bets early on, they, some of them, very few of them, just for everyone. Disclosure, like <laughs> this is not a recommendation for investment, but very few of them yeah. monetized. But like, do you see any big changes that are going to happen in the near future that will open up great new opportunities? So it's very interesting because like when you, you when you are doing this for like 10 years, uh, I remember people asking me the same question, but instead of like mentioning NFTs and you know crypto, they were saying e-commerce and social networks. <laughs> no way. Yeah, and that <laughs> no, was how, no. that was 10 years ago. E-commerce was very hot. No way. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah. I can't yeah. Even, can't and even is this like the next big thing? Should people put all their money in social networks and games? Like we need to create a new social media. Yeah. Like social yeah. Networks. You know, you look around you and see like how Facebook did it. Like you know, just three, four years ago in the US, and how can we replicate this in the region, and all of that. So, so this question, I keep getting it keep yeah, getting this question all the time and have been getting it for like 10 years but in different technology so I think just what to learn from from this that it, it doesn't matter yeah, there will always be matter. new technologies yeah. there will always be like new NFTs and blockchains and cryptos and AIs and all of that like this is the evolution of humanity so it's not about like putting or betting your, your money on a specific sector it's just being informed and knowing where the opportunity is and um, if it's um, um, if it will be over soon or if it's actually there to stay where the value is you always find very passionate founders doing a lot of things in, in all these exciting new sectors but like also think about the MENA region and where we are um, Dubai is, is quite competitive and I think because of the infrastructure and the talent here, maybe you have different uh, areas of focus for founders. But when you look at other markets, like for example, bigger markets like Egypt or Saudi or Africa, for example, where the infrastructure might not be that uh, amazing. So there are basic services that people need and technology can really offer amazing solutions for them. Plus so ba think, basic technology. Basic technologies, really. Um, so if, if you think about that, I think this is like why we're witness for, witnessing, for example, the FinTech revolution in, in our region. PayPal and MasterCard and Visa have been around for ages. You can, yeah. you can, nobody can, can deny and, and say that PayPal isn't fintech, but, sure. but it was created like so many years ago. But again, our region now, fintech is a big thing because like we're just catching up. Um, our people are getting more access to banking services. They didn't have them before. Um, I think the lifestyle of many of them is improving. Um, they, and they just need to embrace technology more. So I think it's just more also about the market and where you are. Mm. And, and it's not just about technology, it's about humans at the end of the day. Yeah. Just technology for the sake of creating technology 
is, is absolutely worthless. Like you have to think about like what people really need and offer them something that actually solves a, a problem or a challenge that they face on a daily basis. So it's a, it, it's more about the business, actual business model rather than technology. Business model can be empowered and enabled and, exactly. and, and supported by, yeah. by advanced technology, but it's actually about making yeah. the business work. Yeah. And if you think market, about it, like yeah. 10 years ago or 15 years ago, like, I don't know, RSS and Web 2.0 and all of these were like the hot new things. Yeah. And people were like, yeah, but like they became the, like the norm. Yeah. You know, like all the new technology that emerged and like HTML5 was a huge thing like mm. eight years ago, nine mm. years ago. Like it was mm. like so crazy about it. So it's just, it's, it's a tool. Technology is a tool, right? And if, if you have the tool to offer the solution for someone who actually has a need, this is it. So if there is a need for NFTs and blockchain, and of course there's a need for blockchain, like there is a need for all the new technologies, they will they will be there to stay, um, and the humans and people will embrace them, and that's it. Amazing, Ramis, thanks so much for for for, for a quick chat. Uh, maybe we can do a longer version of the episode for for the actual the change officer in our studio. Before I let you go, I have just one random question. So if you could choose any cartoon or movie character to be your ideal co-founder for your new business? <laughs> I think Iron Man is very resourceful. All right. Because like, I, I, it's funny, right? Because like, I think he as a person, I'm not, he's like that of a genius, but like he got access to so much technology and like he, he's rich as well. So I think that's something <laughs> that helps. Yeah, it helps. But like, I, I like the, the resourcefulness in Iron Man, I guess. Amazing. All right, man. <laughs> Thanks a lot for, for this uh, amazing episode. Guys, uh, I hope that you that you liked it, that you that we brought some clarity. Maybe if you had any confusions about these things, and I think it's like I, I'm hearing this more often now, like about having a team instead of going solo. Not that we are saying you shouldn't go against the odds. Yes, go for it if you feel you want to go solo, go solo. But there are just there are some some patterns that you can recognize. So I hope that we maybe brought brought it up again in this episode. Stay tuned. There is another one coming really really soon. Ramis, thanks so much for coming, man. Thank you so much for having me.